Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Pensacola, Florida, it's time for Pensacola Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Good morning, everybody. My name is Colleen Edwards-Chesley, and I am the founding director of Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast, and this is our radio podcast show called Women in Leadership. This show is sponsored by Pensacola Business Radio X, and we are just so privileged to be able to be here today and bring you some great conversation and great information about leadership, mentoring, and a bunch of other information we're going to get into on business management. I've got a wonderful guest with me today. I'm going to introduce her in just a moment, but before I do that, I just want to mention little more information about our organization. If you've never heard of us, we have been around for a little while now, um, but we've been uh, slowly developing and getting more into the community and into the programs that we are offering. You can find us on Facebook at Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast. We also have a website called PowerfulWomenGulfCoast.com. And on either of those, you'll find information about many of our different programs. Right now, we're heavily focused on monthly networking. So we do a networking meeting in Pensacola and a Gulf Breeze. Those both happen once a month. And we tend to have a crowd of at least 40 people, and 40 women in the, the Pensacola group. Gulf Breeze tends to be a little bit smaller. Uh, but both of those groups are are beneficial to a lot of women in a number of different ways. We do some professional education in the groups. We also do a lot of networking. We have a lot of fun, and we really try to help women build relationships with other women in business. Sometimes you just need that other person there that's doing exactly what you want to be doing to show you that it can be done. Um, other times you need that that person that's going to just give you a little bit of a hands up and and say, you know, here's some encouragement. You can do it or you need to be that example to somebody else in the community as well. So it's a great opportunity. We do those at the Gulf Coast Kids House. And last week we were able to give them our check from our annual conference. So we do a conference in October. We choose to donate back 80% of our profits from the conference to Gulf Coast Kids House. And this year, that amounted to $3,060. And they're able to take that money. We were hoping they were it was going to be enough for them to replace all the conference chairs in the conference room. If you've ever been to the Gulf Coast Kids House, they've had these wooden chairs that I think they've had since they opened. They even got them secondhand from apparently from Gulf Power. They're wooden. They have uh, big arms on them, like old old style chairs, no cushion on them. They're not stackable and they're very heavy to to move around the room. So um, we were hoping to be able to replace all those chairs. And as a matter of fact, that money is going to be able to replace all the chairs in the conference room with some much nicer, lighter, stackable chairs that are much more comfortable. And it's leaving some extra money for them to use for some additional programs as well. So if you're in the Gulf Coast Kids House, probably... I think it's going to be about a month from now that they're going to get all the new chairs. You just should check out the conference room and see what what it looks like now. We're hoping that'll help them be able to bring in some more groups and some more events in that conference room now that they have the flexibility to be able to switch that room up um, much easier. So conference is the second thing that we do. Another thing that we do is a quarterly magazine, a print magazine called Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast, the magazine. You can pick that up at a number of local retailers downtown or around Pensacola. You can also pick those up at our meetings, and you can always access the online version on our website as well. We like to interview successful women. We've also interviewed um, a male in the uh, magazine as well because the information that we're looking for is 
usually generic and it's not, it's gender neutral for anybody in business to take some, some of that information and learn from the stories of the people that have been there before, struggled, been successful and are willing to share their feedback and their tips on how they became successful. So we're very excited for that. The other element that we do besides these uh, radio podcasts that you're listening to is something we call Power Up. And we just started our next Power Up Challenge. It just started last week. So we're now in the second week, about to start the third week of Power Up. And Power Up is a 12-week educational series. We focus on four different areas of business. We focus on sales skills, networking, marketing, and business efficiency. So the first week's classes were all about work-life balance, and we went went through a lot of the struggles that women tend to face in that area and ways that they can be better at work-life balance or what I prefer, which is work-life integration. We also talked a lot about calendar tips and how to manage your, your daily um, business and that work um, as well and get everything done that you need to do. We talked a lot about to-do lists or or one piece that I like to do as well, which is not to-do lists um, that have been a very helpful. And then this past week, we had our class on technology. So we talked a lot about how to use some of the cloud-based storage now. I've never been one that's been able to figure out how to back up my laptop. So I've gotten into cloud-based storage. And so we went over three of the main cloud-based storage programs that people use. And then we went through the program that I'm the most in love with. If I was on a stranded, stranded on a, on a deserted island and I could only bring one app with me, the app that I would bring is Evernote. And so we went through an hour's worth of content on Evernote this past week, which is my favorite program out there. Um, if you want to come to those classes, you can sign up at any time. Just because you've missed the first couple of weeks doesn't mean you can't sign up. And you can also access the classes remotely, meaning that if you sign up and pay for the classes, then you get a folder, a downloadable folder that's got the full audio copy of the that week's class. And you get worksheets, you get notes and everything else that we've dumped into that folder so that you can take that information and use it. I'm a big advocate that all that information that we're sharing is worthless unless you take that information and do something with it. So if you're willing to take that information and use it to help yourself grow, then it becomes invaluable. Um, so hopefully some other people will be interested in Power Up. We've got a, a small class right now, but we're hoping to see those numbers grow. All right. Now I'd like to introduce my guest today. I am privileged to have Andrea Krieger here today. She is the president and CEO of United Way. I was turned on to Andrea a few years ago from Stacy Kostovecki, and she just spoke wonders of the work that you've done, Andrea, and I know that you and her informal that, that you're able to off of each other. Um, Andrea started with uh, United Way back in June 2011, and under her leadership, United Way has grown the support of the local community to create a $3 to a $1 return on investment. I want to ask you specifically about how you do that, Andrea. You take every dollar and turn it into $3, but it's legal? It is legal. <laughs> we wish we had that great of return on any I was going to say, some, yes, some bankers might uh, yeah. or advisors might want to figure out what you're doing. Tell us how you do that. What do you mean by that statement? You know, I, I one of the things I've grown to truly admire about United Way and the systems that are parts of United Ways, even though we're different all around the country, is the fact that we're not in anything alone. So the way that we really um, maximize the donations that donors give to us is 
We work with businesses. We work with volunteers. We work with individuals who care about others. And often the dollar donation that we'll receive through a workplace campaign grows significantly because either that corporation has decided to match an individual employee's giving or we have an outside um, funding source that will provide um, match dollars or we have the very generous volunteers who truly exponentially grow the work. And there's there's not enough time in any day to say thank you for all of those partners who choose to make a difference. But when we work together on things, we can truly solve problems. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the key to growing return on investment. If you're doing any kind of nonprofit work is sometimes folks can't give a dollar, but they can give chairs. Like you mentioned, Gulf Mm -hmm. Power donating the chairs to Gulf Mm -hmm. Coast Kids House all those years ago. I mean, that is, um, that's valuable. And if you don't have to use the physical dollar that somebody gives you to purchase chairs, but you can use ones that are slightly used at, I'm sure they're a little bit more used at this point at Gulf. At, uh, they're Gulf actually Kids House, in really but... <laughs> good shape still, surprisingly. I, I am not at all surprised. I know how well Stacy takes care of things. So, Absolutely. Um, it, but it, you know, it truly makes a difference and mm-hmm. we don't have to use physical dollars for everything. We can get volunteers who will donate labor and time and services that then allow us to really maximize what we can do and invest in program support and in the change that's needed in our community. Absolutely. So what it sounds like from what I'm hearing is you guys have taken the idea of collaboration and really made that a, a, a core part of what you do. Yeah. Is there I, anything you do that you don't collaborate on? Is there anything that you just do that's only you guys? No, no. <laughs> As a matter of fact, um, that's one of the things that we purposefully look look at uh, at United Way is we're not into creating new programs. There's usually something out there. Mm-hmm. How can we make it more effective, more efficient? How can we maximize what they're able to do by matching them up with somebody else who might have a piece of the program that they're exceptional at mm-hmm. or a talent or a skill? that is their area of expertise and how do we match those two together and then grow that impact for the community? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's amazing. I've been a member of Impact 100 for several years now and my eyes were really opened when I joined Impact because I really, I knew there were a lot of nonprofits in this area, but I had absolutely no idea there were that many. I mean, there are hundreds, probably even th- up to thousands. Yeah, yeah um, just in Escambia, there's over just, 800. Yeah, just, mm-hmm. okay, that's the number, 800. Wow, that's amazing. You know, but the thing that really surprised me, and I've got a very detective mind, and, and so when I got on the co- a committee for Impact, I dove into those grants, and I mean, with a fine-tooth comb, if I was going to give away a million dollars, I felt like it was coming out of my own pocket. Oh, I yeah. was going to investigate to the to the ninth degree. But what I was surprised about is so many times I would read grants and you would have four and five different nonprofits trying to do the exact same thing. Something Mm -hmm. amazing, like I'll use the example of of, um, food, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I was shocked. I was in the whatever committee would cover food, but I was, you know, we have a, we do have a problem with, with. Duplication of services. Duplication of services. And we do have a problem in this community where people are not getting proper nutrition. They're not getting the food that they need. They're going hungry. And that's a problem. But why, why is there such a duplication of services? And, and, and 
Is that something that's just a control aspect or are people just not even communicating, not even aware that I think uh, there are other people trying the same thing? There's a little of all of that. It's a mix of all of those um, pieces. So I think part of it is people have a fundamental need as human beings to help others. There's something Mm -hmm. in our spirits that in order to feel like we've lived a full life, we want to be involved and a part of something that means that's meaningful. And and that purpose is different for each of us. Mm -hmm. But I think what happens is you see your neighbor's kid that isn't getting the food that you know your children are getting or that a child needs to be healthy and to learn like they need to. And you automatically want to do something. Mm -hmm. And perhaps you're not plugged in and don't Mm -hmm. know where to look. And Mm -hmm. so you start something out of Mm -hmm. your house and Mm -hmm. then it grows to the neighborhood. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think what um, I've always encouraged folks to do is know what's happening in your community. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fundamentally, when I think about how I start, I learned a long time ago from a a exceptional friend, which um, uh, mentors are just friends in my mind. They Absolutely. are people who care enough to want to see you grow. Mm-hmm. And I learned a long time ago that every day you should be learning mm-hmm. something. And and if you're going to be successful in business, you got to start your day that way. Mm-hmm. You really need to be looking at what's happening today, this week, this year, that's in your community that you can be a part of and that you can grow yourself with, but that you can also help others um, by being knowledgeable about. And I think sometimes as human beings, we also get busy and we do what's easy. And Mm -hmm. so it's easy to start your own food program Mm -hmm. instead of taking the time to look at, okay, well, what does that food program need to do and who's doing it? Maybe I don't need to start something. Can I help somebody else do it better? Right. Right. And I think that um, it's a, it's, it's a condition of our community or our lives nowadays with technology, as you mentioned, we've become too busy to take that time mm-hmm. um, that sometimes would allow us to do even more for others mm-hmm. if we simply explored um, what was working and took the extra time that it takes to be a part of that mm-hmm. instead of starting something new. Yeah, I think that I think you're absolutely right. How would you advise somebody to to be in the know and be be aware because even me I've been in the business world for 25 plus years now and I did a lot of networking and I thought I pretty much knew our community I never did leadership Pensacola and I know you're a leadership Pensacola graduate um but um yeah and leadership Pensacola certainly is that a way to help people or or is it reading the paper is it I being nosy every, I, and asking a lot of questions. <laughs> I mean, how do people find out? I didn't know until I joined Impact. You know, and I, I think that we all learn differently, too. So mm-hmm. you have to start. I, I think often we try to replicate what others are doing. And that that's mm-hmm. not always proactive or that's not always successful in, in any of those dimensions of how we feel a full life. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to figure out, first of all, how you learn. And you have to start there because I, I am, I love the paper. I grew <laughs> up on paper products. It took me a while to get to a Kindle and then get to an iPad to read <laughs> the three books that I'm reading at one time. Right. You know? But, um, right. but I do, I know 
fundamentally, I'm going to start with my newspaper just because I like it with my cup of coffee in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to stop there, though. I also value some of the news sources that come through web-based products now. Mm -hmm. So I am usually scanning all day, pretty much, Mm -hmm. um, different vehicles for information that meet my needs in my role at United Way. So Mm -hmm. often there are nonprofit news sources that I look to Mm -hmm. to figure out best practices or things that are going to impact the industry. And those Mm -hmm. are different than, say, somebody who is um, has the benefit of being able to work with kids or Mm -hmm. um, be a mom and and be involved in a school or be involved in the community working with children at whatever stage. Mm -hmm. There are different vehicles for each of those. And I think you have to start, first of all, with how you learn best Mm -hmm. because the information is out there. So but all those things I just talked about, if I had to figure out what was going on in Pensacola. Mm-hmm. So um, the news journal, independent news, have very different um, views or di- platforms by which they display the needs mm-hmm. in the community and they display how you can be involved in those. Ballinger, if you look at some mm-hmm. of the work that he does, yep, it's very different, but there's always information in there about what's happening. Yeah. What you don't often see are the little mom and pops. Mm-hmm. And that's indicative of where our challenge is because those mom and pops have started off of a heart pull. And so if you look to what's in um, media on any day, you're going to have um, access to where that need is being met on the larger scale. Mm-hmm. And if you plug in there first, you can then find out maybe what's closer to your home or what a need is that um, you can combine your skills and talents and mm-hmm. your gifts uh, with those that you discover after you plug in to the industry first. I would say that's that's yeah. kind of the key is plug yeah. into the industry first. Mm-hmm. And there are all kinds of pieces of that that are working in collaboration mm-hmm. You talked about food and you talked about Gulf Coast Kids House. Mm -hmm. So I think about Mana is now working with Gulf Coast Kids House. Instead of Gulf Coast Kids House starting a backpack program, Mm. they went and talked to Mana because Mana is the largest food pantry in the area. So why would we ask folks to give Gulf Coast Kids House that resource when they can give it to Mana and Mana Mm -hmm. can make sure the nutrition is packaged with their variety of products to meet the needs of the families Absolutely. So I think... That takes a, a little bit more yeah. and you have to be willing to um, really look at what the need is and mm-hmm. figure out how it's going to be met. Yeah. And then you can you can find the right place. Yeah. And well, certainly you can call United Way because we plug volunteers into all of that's what I That was what my follow up question was. Does United Way help people with that, too? And I was never, you know, I used food as the example, but I never started a food charity. Right. And if, if if that were a passion for me, maybe I would have been more aware of all of them that are going on. Because for instance, Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast, I've been doing this for 12 years. Mm-hmm. I absolutely know, sometimes I get surprised, but I pretty much have a good gauge of the community and what other professional women's groups are out there. I mean, right. I got them on my radar and I see them from a mile away and some of them pop up and I don't. But most often, right. like you were saying, if, I, if you're tuned in, you're going to see it. Sure. It's going to appear somewhere, social media or, you know, 
sure papers and news and it's going to pop up so you can you can find out just going on to united way and clicking on 211 and seeing all the resources that are in the community so where do you want to plug in come mm-hmm. sit on the phones for a while and listen to people who have needs and figure out what touches your hot button on that mm-hmm. um, but that's you know you just have to take the time to do the outreach mm-hmm. to then discover if you don't know what you're passionate about what are you passionate about and I think of um, the community investment system we have at United Way where you can doesn't matter what you give what level mm-hmm. you get to decide where that money goes and so you can sit on those panels and people think well I don't have all that time I didn't well, know really. y'all did that tell me more about that program we do. So um, people can make donations and then they can make a decision on where that money goes. Yeah, that's how United Way works. So that's, that's a big misperception so awesome. with um, folks as they think the board or the staff are making the decision yeah. on where the investments go. Yeah. Donors can designate specifically to a nonprofit, but they can also say, I want the panels then to decide where this is the best investment for the community and where it's going to maximize the return. Mm -hmm. Because we look at all of those pieces that you've already talked about, the collaboration and who has best practices, who's using them right, who's Mm -hmm. providing those outcomes for the community. And we have panels that are in education, health, and financial stability. Mm -hmm. So folks can plug into their field of interest and they then go, It's two days of site visits and oral presentations, and then we are virtual with our app system, so they they can go in and look at any of the applicants, and they all score, and you only score the parts you participate in, so if you didn't go on a site visit or oral presentation. You don't get the right to say. Exactly, because (laughs) you didn't get to see it. Exactly. uh, And then there's training around that, but it's really two days of site visits and oral presentations a two-hour training on how to access the system and what the process is and Mm -hmm. two hours on deliberation because those panels get together and fight over which one they're passionate about. Oh, I'm sure they Um, do. And they take it very, very seriously. Yeah. Well, we saw a little, I saw a little of that with impact. Yeah. You know, the same thing. I mean, you get, you know, you want to give the dollars to where you want them to be the most beneficial. And and there's a lot of emotion tied behind money. There is. And, you know, that's one thing that we really, as part of our training, we really talk about there's quantifiable outcomes and outputs that our partners that are working together in those fields Mm -hmm. have to have to meet 10 basic goals in our community that are community-wide goals. And Mm -hmm. so... Uh, you really have to look at, yeah, they, they're they all wonderful. I'm always amazed at what our partners can do in the community, and they are incredibly successful um, in the work that they do. But where is that dollar going to make the biggest impact and create mm-hmm. the biggest change? And where does our community need it most? Right. So we start with a community assessment that looks at every part of our community and looks at the assessments that have gone on. The Haas Center did ours, our most recent assessment. We incorporated 211 data for what callers were calling for that were their needs for three years. We incorporated the community health needs assessment into that for what is the health need, actually the de- demonstrated health need. Who's What are people going into the hospital for? What mm-hmm. are people going into the clinics for, the health departments for? Wow. Where are these in our community? And, and it's unfortunate. We have several, but oh, yeah. a lot of yeah. them are tied to poverty, which is tied to education. Mm-hmm. And so there's mm-hmm. that's that's the base of understanding that starts the community investment process and sets the goals. And then 
partners have to say how they're going to help meet those goals. Yeah. That's amazing though, that you go out and you actually do the research. You're not taking the nonprofits take on what the research is. You are actually going out and saying, okay, this is where we really, we really researched and found. And like you said, through the Haas Center or through, you know, whoever else you're using, but um, you have to do doing that. that independent research, I think is important. I mean, that's one of the stigmas I think with a lot of nonprofits is that, you know, there's a lot of, you know, gray area. Yeah, there is. And uh, I don't think they do it intentionally. I think their hearts are in the mission, Mm -hmm. but we can talk all day long about how satisfied our client is. And that's not really telling us about how much change has occurred in that client's life. Absolutely. And so we, while it's important to be passionate about the work and have your heart in it, you have to be able to look objectively at what you're returning for that individual Mm -hmm. and for the community as a whole. And um, it's tough to do sometimes. Yeah. It's tough because there's a piece that you don't want to put a quantifiable number on, Mm -hmm. that you just want to help people have a better quality of life. But there are key indicators that contribute to everybody's quality of life that are the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, in reality, I've had, I've struggled with powerful women of the Gulf Coast before. At the very beginning, it was a hobby. And when I had a full-time career and it was something I did on the side to help, you know, just give back and and do something for the community, we were at the results. Mm -hmm. And we were more concerned about let's just provide a good environment and the results will come if we do the right activity. But now... I run it like a business yeah. and I that was a struggle for me because trying to tell myself it's okay to run a nonprofit like a business. Um, and some, pe- some people don't agree with that. Some people will come to me and say, Colleen, it doesn't matter. You know, why don't we just, you know, let's have a social night and have fun. Well, that's great. But what's the goal of that event and how are we going to gauge, you know, what the success was? Just like you talked about, if you're just delivering the programs and there's, you know, quantifiable change, well, you know, what are you really doing? Are right. you really, are you really tackling the problem that that nonprofit is, is, is mission is to tackle? Yeah. And I think that that is, um, that is a stigma of nonprofit, um, service mm-hmm. and there, and it's something we have to overcome because we will never have the capacity to do the work that needs to be done. If we make it okay to say, it's just about, doing the right thing and having your heart in it. Right. You know, I read recently and, and um, there's a, one of the manifestos of United Way is nobody is self-taught or self-made. Mm-hmm. And the only way that we can determine the right trajectory is if we measure it and if we look at it. Otherwise, we can think we're doing good all day long, but we may actually be doing damage. Right. And so it is... Um, it is incredibly important to operate nonprofits as businesses in my mind. And That's I, awesome. I'm glad you said that. Uh, I might put that on, on, on auto, auto record or re-record every day. Well, I do. It was, it was a struggle for me to get to that point. Yeah. And you know, it's um, donors are trusting us to do that. Mm-hmm. And if we don't um, use good practices and measure and truly reflect on what are we doing to innovate this process Mm-hmm. to make it more effective and mm-hmm. make it more efficient, mm-hmm. we have more obligation than a for-profit business does. Mm-hmm. We have the trust of a donor at the heart of everything that we do, and they are trusting that we have the expertise mm-hmm. to make the change and do the right mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And that um, until we begin to look at our work as professionals, 
mm-hmm. in the business, we're only doing damage because we'll never have the capacity and there'll never be an understanding that you have to have staff mm-hmm. to do the work. And while, you know, I look at United Way, we were talking about this earlier and we have 15 and a half FTEs with the United Way work. We have, I think, three FTEs with the 211 work that we do. Um, if we don't look at it as a business, mm-hmm. while it's important that we have staff, we can't do it without the 3,000 volunteers, mm-hmm. but we can't have 3,000 volunteers if we don't have staff to manage the process. There mm-hmm. is there is no for-profit business out there that is just doing it and not paying for the infrastructure to, to grow. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have that payment for that infrastructure, they'll mm-hmm. never grow. Yeah. They wind up going out of business. Yep. And, yep. and how is that a good use of donor dollars? Mm-hmm. It's just not a good use. Right. You right. know, we talk about um, admin and fundraising overhead as a way to limit capacity in nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Why are we not looking at what the outcome or the return is for the community? Right. And certainly, you know, that's one of the markers. We want the majority of the donor dollar to go into programming. But there are times when you need to expand capital expansions mm-hmm. where you're going to be over that 25 percent threshold. So right. why is that bad? Right. If you're able to double the work and the impact that you're having in the community, but you have to have periods where exactly you expand your capacity to do the work. Well, in certain nonprofits, the work they do is expensive. It is. You know, it depends on what they do. You know, we're lucky with powerful women that we do a lot of of uh, you know, meetings where people attend and there's not a lot of infrastructure that has to be set up for that. But there's been times and, and I am saying this and it's recorded, but there's been times where I've had to make a decision. Do we want to put this infrastructure in place or, you know, is there a better use for that money? And and as a as a leader in a nonprofit, you don't ever want to get into a situation where you're deciding to jeopardize something, an infrastructure need. Right. You know, is there, you know, what's most important? Making sure that we've got a P.O. box and a legitimate, you know, database. And, you know, there's there's a lot of infrastructure that comes with running an organization. And those are very easy to say, well, I don't need a P.O. box. I can get my mail at home. Or no, I don't need a, a database. I can run it on an Excel spreadsheet. But you're, as you were mentioning, you're kind of limiting your capacity. If you're not, if you're willing to cut some of those what I call just basic things that, yeah, we could live without, but in reality, are we really running it out as a business if we're getting our mail at home and we're using, you know, a, a you know, a, a, a Band-Aid system for, you know, processing right. everything? Right. Well, you know, you, you talk about, when I think about United Way and what we're tasked with doing, it's community development and community change. Mm-hmm. And the, it, there has to be infrastructure to manage that process mm-hmm. or else we will never get to where we need Absolutely. Um, to be. Well, there probably wouldn't be that problem if there was no infrastructure cost to solve the problem, right? Right. I mean, I think about that. If if it were if there were nothing that you needed to do to fix that problem, well, then we would have fixed that problem a long time ago. It would have been taken care of. And that's why that problem exists is because there is a hard cost that comes with managing a program that can tackle that that cause. And and certainly you can um, you can limit the cost to the organization Mm -hmm. and you should and Mm -hmm. you should be effective and efficient and Mm -hmm. you should consider every dime that you're spending. I think Mm -hmm. of, you know, we talked about um I'm an educator at heart and a learner at heart and always will be. I think I Mm -hmm. I got that from my mother. She Mm -hmm. read voraciously and (laughs) I usually have two or three books going at one time that I'm trying to 
soak up somebody else's learning and knowledge, but mm-hmm. um, nonprofit training, when you look across the spectrum of how do you implement best practices and how, how do you do it? When I first got to United Way and I was looking at, well, what we're expecting this of our nonprofit partners, how are we making sure that they have access to the learning needed to get there? Mm-hmm. And I looked through the system there, a cost for training, $750, even $150 for some of these nonprofits for a day. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly challenging mm-hmm. um, for them to be able to pitch that to their board mm-hmm. when you $150 would be 10 people they could help, you Absolutely. know, or 20 people that yep. they could help. Yep. Um, so if, if we're United Way and we're supposed to be helping unite nonprofits professionals, the the resources in the community to strengthen the work that's happening. Mm-hmm. We actually started a nonprofit training. It's 20 bucks for a nonprofit wow. to attend. But the only reason that's possible is we have a couple of sponsors that support it. But at the same time, when we do a um, training that's on media relations, well, you've got you know, Brent from Cat Country will come in or Sue mm-hmm. from Channel 3 will come in. Before Tom left from the PNJ, he would come in and they would share their time. So that's a resource that mm-hmm. you're able to pull in. doesn't cost us anything as long as we are always available to those individuals to be a resource when they need it. It's about we have to, there's give and take in business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be able to provide them a platform that also helps them execute their business needs as well. But we should be doing that for each other constantly in the community. And for nonprofits, if you can get a service provider to come in and share their knowledge, um, Eddie Hill did a piece on marketing and internet access and using the vehicles for social media for the nonprofits. Didn't charge anything for it. Mm -hmm. He's a national. He's awesome. Yeah, he goes everywhere. He's sought after nationally. But that's what that's where nonprofits need to be looking for volunteers. What's the expertise that you need? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. seek out and tell that professional why it is that you need them, specifically them, and what it's going to return to the community. Mm-hmm. Because for us at United Way, the return to the community is these professionals have resources to be able to be more effective and efficient in, sure. in the work that they do. Yeah, That'll be different for every group that's out there. Absolutely. You know, we've talked about Gulf Coast Kids House, and Man- if Mana is doing warehousing, well, Dee may be out seeking somebody to come talk to her about layout and design for warehousing to more effectively and efficiently run that operation, even though they do a pretty good job with what they have over there. But, mm-hmm. I mean, we should be recruiting people to our work that that's their expertise and they're looking for an outlet Mm-hmm. to volunteer and get involved and get engaged, mm-hmm. it's up to us to go share that opportunity right. with them in the community. Right. And I think that's so important. I've never felt like that we had a um, a lack of people that were willing to help. Never. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. And when we started the magazine, um, I love the magazine because it's a way that we can get out more stories about successful uh, people in the community and and like you say, connect different people together. And I've just been amazed because the hardest thing for me with the magazine is the list of people I want to interview grows and grows and grows by way more than I can interview 
in the time that we do the magazine. And um, so that was kind of I I knew it already, but it was more of a realization that there are just so many people that are just willing to give up their time and their money and their talent and and their resources. And we have some really talented people right within the Gulf Coast. We do. We have Mm -hmm. some experts in their fields here Mm -hmm. that most communities don't have access to, and, right. and they are so generous and willing mm-hmm. to give of their time. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, that's a blessing for our community. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And I think a lot of people don't realize that they're out there, or maybe they just, like you said, maybe they're just not connected, you know, or, or just not aware yet that they're out there, but they are out there, definitely. I, and I think we hurt ourselves as individuals because I, I, um, my mother and I, people who know me have heard that me say this so many dadgum times. It's mm-hmm. not even funny, but um, my mother always taught me that I'm not, you're not better than anybody and nobody else is better than you. And you should never feel uncomfortable with anybody because you have something to learn from everybody out there mm-hmm. and there, and you have something to teach to everybody out there. So mm-hmm. there's a, There's a common ground for exchange, regardless of where we are in the world or in the points in our career and life. There there will always be the opportunity for that give and take and that return and exchange as long as you are open to it and don't allow yourself to be intimidated. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that. Do you think we get intimidated? Do you think that's part of it? We do, certainly. And I have at times go, (laughs) I've stopped myself. Um, because there are people that I admire greatly that I have to say, you know what, I, I think the world of them, but being intimidated isn't giving them the opportunity to share what they may want to share with me. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I have to stop myself sometimes because that factor goes up with my admiration for somebody. Mm-hmm. The more I respect somebody and the work that they do and the volume of work that they do or the change that they are able to have for others, which is kind of where my center is um, or my need as mm-hmm. a human being is I um, I can always stop myself if I'm not careful. Yeah. I have to constantly re- remind myself, you know what, they they, there may be something that I can share with them that they want to know. Mm-hmm. And there's always something I want to glean from them. Mm-hmm. So um, it's really, we do it to ourselves. It's not that individual. Yeah. I think sometimes we put it on that other person by saying they're intimidating. Mm-hmm. They're not intimidating. We're intimidating. I was going to say that's our impression of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's not yeah. them. It's mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, we stop ourselves sometime from being able to do greater good by letting that get in the way. Yeah. You know, I used to, when I was in sales, I would, the same thing, I would admire people in the community and I'd want to reach out to them, but I'd be in I was feeling intimidated. And one, I had a manager a long time ago told me to keep a chicken list. And he said, if there's somebody you want to call and you you put it on your list of people to call and you called everybody else, but you didn't call that one person, then that person goes on your, your chicken, chicken list. list. And so I had a separate list that was called my chicken list. And literally I wrote on the top of it, it said chicken list. And it was names of people. And some of them were people that um, I may not have still ever reached out to. But my goal was to every day he told me I had to... Um, Get in a good mood. So it might have been in first thing in the morning or it might have been later on in the afternoon. It was always right after I did something that was, you know, that that gave me some comfort and some, you know, 
uh, confidence. So after I did that, then I had to call one person off my chicken list. And I had to write behind when I called them what happened from the call. And there was never, nobody ever hung up on me. Nobody ever told me, you know, uh, you know, they would tell me maybe they didn't know who I was, you know, because maybe they didn't. But there was never, they were never rude. They were never, you know, inappropriate. You know, it was always, it, it was always a good result. Yeah, it's always on us. Absolutely. When, when happens, it's always on us. And it's, I think it took me being in a place where uh, the first time somebody told me I was intimidating, I'm like, oh my goodness, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> because it's always an honor to be able to help somebody else out. Absolutely. And I think anybody who, um, who you are considering intimidating, maybe think about what you're keeping from them. Because mm-hmm. it is a privilege to be asked to help or mm-hmm. for your advice. Good mm-hmm. heavens. Somebody asking me for my, really? Asking me for my <laughs> advice? Okay. Yeah. I don't think I have anything that's any different than anybody else. But it's right. a, it's always a privilege and it's always an honor. And mm-hmm. I think that's, it's on us. It's mm-hmm. regularly on us. If we have a chicken list, then, mm-hmm. and I had somebody uh, a long time ago that, and I do this every morning. It's really funny, but I think we have to fill our own tanks. Mm-hmm. Before we can get somebody off the chicken list. Absolutely. Um, and <laughs> I don't have kids for those of you who don't know me out there. <laughs> I have fur babies, but they are my kids. <laughs> and one of my fur babies, Petey, is the biggest little 20 pound lover you've ever seen in your life. And so if I ever need to fill my tank, it's always finding joy where you can. Yeah. Um, and so Petey, little nub and tail never quits. So mm-hmm. if I need to get somebody off my chicken list, mm-hmm. it's I got to fill my tank first. That's awesome. I got to fill my tank with that little furry body rubbing mm-hmm. his little nose up against yeah. mine or being just his little pouncy self. Yep. Um, and if it's not that, I get that often too. I fill my tank from other people who I admire, who I get to spend time with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are multiple folks. I'll tell you one of my folks that I admire is on my staff and his name is Mike Martin and he knows this. He is the most joyful human being I have ever met. He's just, I've never seen Mike when he's not smiling. Wow. And he is an incredible human being who his only goal in life is to help other people. Wow. Help them find themselves, answer that call, connect them to a resource. Um, He's got his center right. He knows his purpose and he keeps it in front of him all day long and it allows him to be happy all day long. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And it's amazing. And I, um, so if I'm having a rough moment, I'll go just talk to Mike for a little bit because then my tank is full again. It's hard to not absorb that energy when you surround yourself with people Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. just absolute. That's Mm -hmm. what I would suggest to everybody surround your people with yourself with people that you admire something about them. Mm-hmm. Are you a big, I'm, I, if you're a voracious reader, do you read any John Maxwell? Mm-hmm. I yeah. love John Maxwell and his whole theory of the law of the lid. Yeah. And that's exactly what he talks about is surrounding yourself. You are going to be a product of, of the community oh, yeah. that you surround yourself mm-hmm. with. So yeah. if you surround yourself with a bunch of people that are into drama and that are down on life and that are always having issues and, you know, it just seems like all the bad things are happening to them. Well, then before long, you're going to you're going to repeat some of that same behavior. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. um, We just did a retreat with our directors at United Way about two weeks ago. And 
Uh, we started it by throwing rocks into the ocean. Don't tell anybody we did that. Um, we did, though, it, with anything we wanted to get rid of before oh, yeah. we started the day. And oh, then I love we that. kept a rock with what we wanted to keep in front of us. And mine is joy on it Yeah, um, to constantly uh, keep in front of myself. But I think we have to do that internally. Regularly. Absolutely. Regularly keep it internal uh, and remind those who we surround ourselves with what's important to us. Mm-hmm. and know what's important to them mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. we are feeding each other regularly. Absolutely. Do you think that's more women than men? No. No. You think no, that's I think just we human? do it differently. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we do it very differently, and and we, um, we show it differently. Mm-hmm. I don't think the importance is any different. Mm-hmm. I think we reflect it differently. Mm -hmm. I certainly think that um, in the business community, because women are more, um, we've been leaders always, Mm -hmm. just like men have. Mm -hmm. We've just been leaders who've been viewed differently Mm -hmm. in different fields. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's us holding ourselves back. Right. If there's ever an issue with that glass ceiling people call the mm-hmm. glass. There's not a ceiling there. It's where you believe you can be and where you right. sh- where you believe you should be right. and want to be. Yeah. And if you can't vision yourself there, mm-hmm. you'll never be there. Absolutely. But, but I think men have just, I wouldn't have the needs that other people have for anything because I have enough of my own. Yeah. You know, but I I think that um, it's recognized differently and it displays differently in men and women. Yeah. Now, to me, I think about learning styles. I'm a very tactile learner. I have to have a piece of paper in front of me. I don't have a paper calendar anymore, but I, I sympathize with your story about getting rid of, you know, paper books and going to the Kindle. Because there's something about me holding on to something and physically writing on it. I still do paper to-do lists. Then they go into my, you know, technology and and stuff like that. But um, I learn very different than maybe the next person next to me. Um, But in what you're talking about, maybe we do also give back in that same kind of way, a little differently. You know, something that, that, you know, may work for me might not work for somebody else. I may not release my information the same way that they are going to release information. Absolutely. And what we are taught is okay to show as a woman is taught differently to a man. Mm-hmm. And and consequently, how we learn is also different mm-hmm. and how we um, assimilate information is different. So I think now in today's world with technology, our young people, they learn very differently than I learned. Mm-hmm. Even I, I'm very um, competent with technology. I mm-hmm. have to be for my work. Right. But I still like the piece that you emailed to me. I had to print it off and I had to, I don't look at my notes, <laughs> but I have to write them down to right. know what I'm thinking. Exactly. And just because it's part of my process. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. processes change as systems evolve. Absolutely. And I think that is true of learning as well. I think Mm -hmm. um, I'm a horrible auditory learner. I know this about myself. Mm -hmm. So while I'm listening, if I'm doing a webinar or I'm listening to a podcast, Mm -hmm. I'm taking notes. Right. Just because I have to see it too. Yep. So there's, it has to go back through that brain in a different format for you to retain that information. It does. And I, my husband's the exact same way. mm -hmm. I'll give him something. I'll show him a piece of paper and I'll say, here, read this. Or I'll hand him my phone and say, read this. And he'll say, no, read it to me. Mm -hmm. And I used to laugh because I thought he was just being lazy. But in reality, he's the same way. He can't, 
he does process better auditorily. So if I read it to him, he retains that information much better than him physically reading it himself. It's all very Mm -hmm. different. I think that's a key to leadership. I -hmm. really do. I think you, before you can um, be successful at sharing with other people or helping other people, you have to first understand yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, That that old saying, know thyself, mm-hmm. you, you better know Absolutely. thyself because you can't get to the next step in your journey until you do yeah. You continue to repeat the same lessons again and again and again. Absolutely. And I think that that is, um, that's key to leadership. I think good leaders know themselves and know what they need and processes are different for every one of us, mm-hmm. but it starts with knowing yourself mm-hmm. and then it's easier to share with others. Yeah. How about the communication piece? Like knowing yourself is one thing, being able to communicate that. That's part of knowing yourself. Is it? Is, I okay. do. I think that you have to know where your shortfalls lie in communication mm-hmm. because then you have to overcome those. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to know what they are first. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that comes from being open mm-hmm. um, to what other people have to share with you because people will tell you if you remain open, they'll tell you where your short, shortfalls are. Oh, yeah. You have to just see it as more. You have to see it as help instead of criticism. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, I, I'm very lucky early in life to have a mother who was a constant learner and, mm-hmm. and she was, and knew herself well and could tell you every one of her short, shortfalls and mm-hmm. could tell you every one of yours too. Right. And had no problem <laughs> with that, but, um, is also, um, I, I look back to lot, lots of my life lessons and what I share with people and it all started there. Yeah. Because she made it a point to constantly reinforce, you don't ever know enough. Mm-hmm. And you never know enough. And you should never judge before you've heard the whole story. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be constantly open, judging yourself, um, mm-hmm. judging others. Because we all do it. We want to say we don't, but we all judge others. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a part. I'm sure that's just a part of human nature. Yeah. I'm very, like I mentioned, I'm I'm a, like a detective. So sometimes I have to stop myself and, and say, I'm not judging. I'm just clarifying the details or clarifying the facts or the, you know, I'm, I'm being observing the situation. Yeah. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think judgment is, um, it's got such a negative connotation to it, but it's really about learning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's really about learning your limitations and communicating with somebody else and their limitations and communicating mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. And we call it their fault when we haven't figured out how best to assimilate whatever it is they're trying to provide to us. Right. Right. I think, um, you know, I had a great teacher and a, a mentor who was a friend um, who said, anytime you go to a meeting, because we all, there's some meetings we go, uh, before we go, mm-hmm. um, is if you'll change your mindset to um, always being excited about what's that one key thing you're going to take away mm-hmm. and learn from mm-hmm. any meeting. And you shouldn't go to mm-hmm. a single meeting mm-hmm. um, or training session or uh, interaction mm-hmm. without having a goal of taking one thing away from it. Absolutely. Well, and it's funny, as you said that, I think back in my life, I've had a lot of paradigm shifts and I never saw any one of them coming. Like if I would have missed that one day that, you know, I had that paradigm shift, I wouldn't have realized 
that that was when I was going to have a paradigm shift. Like when those those key things happen or what what I call nuggets of, you know, just amazing points of clarity, it, there's no warning. No. You know, it's not like, you know, you got a heads up because if you did, then, you know, that would make life a lot easier. But you don't know when those things are going to happen. And like you said, it could be the most, you know, chance meeting or the, you know, or the the most boring subject that you thought you were going for. But it could be that that one thing you needed to hear Mm -hmm. in life that could just turn your whole world right right around. And I think um, that's all being open to it, Mm -hmm. constantly being open. And I think that you don't see it coming, but you're always ready for it. Mm-hmm. You may not think so when it's there, but right. they, that doesn't happen unless you may remain open right? Yeah. to that situation. Yep. And we're yep. all, we may not think so, but we were ready for it when it happened, when those oh, yeah. paradigm shifts. Yeah, we occurred. may not, yeah, we may not be happy that it happened, but <laughs> yeah, we, it's happening for a reason. I always tell people, be careful of what you say because then you have to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you know, when I talk to people about goal setting and different things and I tell them to put their goals in writing, but I always tell them, be careful mm-hmm. because you put your goal in writing, it's going to happen. Yeah. You better be pre- ready. Yep. You better be prepared. I would say one step further to ensure that it does is you share it with somebody. Absolutely. I love that. Yep. Yeah. Um, Zig Ziglar was a, a constant in my childhood. As I said, my mother was a constant learner. Yeah. And she believed in that positive mental attitude that Zig Ziglar taught. And I grew up on that, cut my teeth on that. Yeah. And he always um, preached you certainly, you can change your reality at any time. Mm-hmm. You set the goal and you own it by sharing it and telling somebody else mm-hmm. that that's your goal. Mm-hmm. Because it's too easy to mark it off our list absolutely, without um, truly having met it. Right. Or it's too easy it. to not try yeah. for it. I call them accountability buddies because it's kind of the, the mix of accountability and, and having a buddy. Um, but it's almost like I think like we talked about earlier, I think people are willing to help us in our journey. Oh, yeah. And if you share the goal, it's not because they have to be the person that keeps you, you know, motivated or keeps you, you know, true to your word. It's because they really care about you and they really want to see you accomplish something and and they're proud and they're excited. And, you know, it's the same reason that we use um, partners when we go to exercise. You know, I'm not going to go walk if it weren't for, you know, that person that is, you know, planning on me being there. Right. You know, kind of thing. Right. We drive each other's success. Yeah. Yeah. Life is tough enough. Why are we doing it on our own? Goes right back to the yeah. collaboration that you yeah. guys are doing at United Way. Yeah. It's yeah. truly about that. It, it it accelerates change and impact when you work with others toward mm-hmm. a goal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. I, you know, it's funny. Um, I learned something from everybody. I've learned a lot from this from you. So that's always fun for me. But I... Um, I was in a Kmart getting ready for a Rotary Youth Leadership Award. And I've I've shared this with the kids that come each year. And I learned how much we impact others from a Kmart teller at 930 at night. Yeah. And uh, I went through expecting that general generic um, experience Mm -hmm. of putting your goods on the line and letting them bring them through. And I was just focused on getting out the door when the teller, as I was getting ready to go, said, 
I hope you have a bubblicious day. <laughs> and he had the biggest grin on his face. And I thought, what is wrong with that dude? But he was, it was contagious. And yeah. I thought you can cause everybody to have that experience based Absolutely. on how you go through life. Absolutely. So one way or the other. We're yeah. causing somebody else to have yeah. an experience. Well, you know, it's really interesting that you said that. I shared with you off the air before that I also um, am part-time at a school. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't have children myself. I have a fur baby as well um, and a husband um, who I count as maybe one of our children. But um, <laughs> no, most of the time he's awesome. But um, at the school, it's reminded me that you have to, you are being watched at all times. Exactly. And kids are little parrots and they're little, um, they're little mimics. And if you say something, they will a lot of times repeat it. And when they repeat something, you don't even realize it sounded like that, but it makes you realize to be more conscious of what you're saying and what you're doing and how you're acting, how you're having conversations with other people. And because of that, it's made me be much more aware in my general life of everything that I'm doing because you don't know who you're watching. Um, but also it's made me realize just with your statement then that it, that you also have the impact. You have the ability to impact somebody else. Sure. Constantly. Mm-hmm. We do it all day long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we may not be thinking about it, but we mm-hmm. are. We're doing it all day long. Absolutely. Somebody is there. Somebody is in that moment that they need some motivation. Sure. Or that they need their you know world turned around or they just need somebody to tell them they look great today mm-hmm. or, or compliment them on something. Yep. Yep. I, yeah. uh, I am. I'm very lucky that I have a number of team members that will remind me about what's good in life. That's awesome. Um, so That's it's, awesome. It's just the like you said, surround yourself with people who mm-hmm. are extraordinary, and your life will be extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been fortunate to have um, an extraordinary life. A- every generation of it has been because there's been several renditions of this life and this career and yep. this, the goals and the paradigm shifts, and mm-hmm. um, every one of them have been fabulous. That's awesome. With United Way, you guys are doing an incredible amount of impact in the community. Um, this bio, I'm sure it's changed, but it says $14.8 million in the community on an annual basis. Yep. That was last year. We go up every year. That's yep. always my goal. It yep. should always get better. Absolutely. always get better, but that's a huge um, number of people that you're able to help. And, you know, we say United Way, <laughs> it's not those 15 and a half staff members. Right. It's the 40. 47 partner agencies that are doing serious collective work. And Mm -hmm. we've got about another 120 partners that receive funding that are helping others in the community. And I mean, it's just, it is a constant, um, it's a constant blessing to be able to work with people care. 3000 volunteers, over 3000 volunteers, literally 14.8 million impact. About a million of that was volunteer labor. That's amazing. It is incredible what we can do together. Yeah. How do you manage 3,000 volunteers? <laughs> um, first of all, there is more Like, do than you me. know every, yeah, do you know every volunteer? Is that possible? No, I don't know every, well, I know names. I, okay. I can't remember every 3,000 na- 3, sure. and something names, but we have a team. And, you know, some volunteers are managed by other volunteers. Okay. And some volunteers come to the table because other volunteers are bringing them there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's the really cool thing about United Way is it's we are stronger together and mm-hmm. rising tide lifts all boats. Mm-hmm. It there is 
absolutely no way that one person can affect all of that change. Mm -hmm. But I can make sure that whenever I see it happening or whenever somebody chooses to get involved and care, if I'm there, I can say thank you. Mm -hmm. And if I'm there, I can tell them what a difference it makes and how many folks that I get to see that they make a difference with or the ways that I can even look at the numbers and say, oh, my goodness, here's how our community is better today. And it's because of you, Mm -hmm. because it's not because of me. It's because of all those people Mm -hmm. working together. Mm -hmm. Um, I think about our partners and the, the hard work that they do every day, but I'm sure they're experiencing a lot of what I am. Mm-hmm. If you are blessed to be in nonprofit business, you're challenged daily mm-hmm. because resources are never what you want. Right. Um, certainly you can choose how to use them most effectively, but there's always more to do. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of us to do it. If, mm-hmm. if I talk about United Way and our volunteers, think about those 47 program partners that are having that same experience. They have volunteers who are coming in because they care about somebody else. They have staff members who are showing up um, to make the world a better place, to make Mm -hmm. Escambia County a better place. Mm -hmm. And that grows because there are people who come to Escambia County and they love it Mm -hmm. because we have people here who care. Absolutely. If we didn't care about each other here, mm-hmm. nobody would want to come back here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely and lots true. of people do. They do. They do. We do have a tight-knit community. We do. Mm-hmm. We do. But, you know, you, you were ta- we were talking off, off the cast earlier about um, how do you manage volunteers and staff differently. And Absolutely. And there are differences there. And sometimes um, I think that staff can get so caught in the day-to-day when they're paid of, well, we have all this to do and, and we just need them to be here at this time and mm-hmm. show up and do this many hours and do this many things. And they're volunteers. Exactly. That and goes right out the window, doesn't it? <laughs> God love them with any moment that they choose to give us. Yes. So we have to constantly be conscious of the fact that they're donors. They're mm-hmm. donating their most precious mm-hmm. gift, which is themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. that is a huge gift, but we don't need to make it a burden. Right. We need right. to make sure we're meeting their needs. And yeah. that's that's true of staff and volunteers. Mm-hmm. It's just we meet those needs differently. Mm-hmm. A volunteer is usually coming to us because they want their um, human um, need field to have that experience of caring or being helpful mm-hmm. met. Mm-hmm. In whatever way that means for that volunteer, they want to have helped, made a difference. Mm-hmm. With staff, they want that too, but there are other very basic needs we have to meet for our staff. Mm-hmm. We have to find the opportunity for those staff to grow and, and be um, fulfilled and feel like they are on a path, um, and they're all different. Some of them mm-hmm. want to be the CEO. Some of them would care less to be the CEO. <laughs> um, some of them just want to be there eight to five and want to know that they can make a huge difference in that time frame, mm-hmm. but then that they can have another life as usually volunteers on their own mm-hmm. after they go out the door. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's very different sets of needs, but, but you have to treat them based on what they need from the interaction. 
So it's still about finding out what they need. It's about purpose. It's always yeah. about purpose. Yeah. Um, because there are staff members that I have today that won't be there in a year. Mm-hmm. But what they need is for us to commit to growing them so that they can go on to their next opportunity, which is where their path lies. Mm-hmm. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's really hard when you want them to stay with you because they're really good. Absolutely. But you can't offer them what they need. Right. Their next need is a, a different place. It's mm-hmm. a different opportunity. And I think um, that's the, the hardest part for me to learn in leadership early on was that um, it wasn't a, always about keeping folks there Mm -hmm. that sometimes it was about getting them to the right place to meet another need in the community. Mm -hmm. And, um, and certainly while they were there making sure that it was the best experience possible. Right. Um, And sometimes folks weren't a good fit Mm -hmm. and it, and they didn't need to be there Mm -hmm. and that that was okay. Mm -hmm. And as long as you honor a human being at the center of that, if your goal is to make sure, certainly we're all trying to do the work to the best of our ability. Mm -hmm. But if you are in it with uh, an understanding that it is, there's never enough kindness and you should always be interested in what the other person needs Um, you have to keep as a, from a business perspective, you have to keep the mission at the center and the organization at the center, but you Mm -hmm. can still meet an individual's need, even if that need is to go out the door. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can do it in a way that, I mean, I've, I've, and if if anybody heard the, the folks who I have had the privilege of supervising and working with over the years, I had a team member who I had to let go that as they were crying about leaving, they were saying thank you at the same time Mm. because they knew it wasn't the right fit for them. Mm -hmm. And they are very successful where they are now, Mm -hmm. but it was a conversation about this is not the right place for you. Not Mm -hmm. that you're not a wonderful human being, right? But this, you're not able to meet this need Mm -hmm. and you don't actually want to. This mm-hmm. is not the right spot for you. Right. Right. And I'm I'm so much about that. I love that you you said that because I think if everybody were in the right place where they should be, this world would be so different. It would be. And sometimes, I mean, we have to have the people that have to do the day labor and maybe they don't want to do that. But I mean, we have to have all the jobs filled in the community. But a lot of times I think people stay in jobs and they're... They hate it. They hate it and they're miserable and then they make everybody around them miserable and nobody wants to work with them. And mm-hmm. and why are they staying in that spot? You know, yeah. why can't we help them get to where would they be much be. Yeah. better fit? Yeah, and there are some folks that, you know, if they're, everybody is in a process in this life, mm-hmm. we're walking from one place to the next. Mm-hmm. So I think we look at um, day laborers. Um, base or uh, entry-level staff and say mm-hmm. that's a bad thing, mm-hmm. it's not. Mm-mm. Because that may be the perfect place for them where they are in their life because they mm-hmm. have other things that they need to be doing that is the focus for their passion. Right. Some folks who are um, entry-level staff absolutely love that position and it's mm-hmm. the right place for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um it's just we have to recognize they're all human beings. Mm-hmm. 
The mm-hmm. janitor may be the most important person in your business. Mm-hmm. If you are in a hospital and you have a janitor who's not happy and isn't mm-hmm. keeping it clean, yep. then everybody there is going to suffer. Absolutely. And how important is it for that person to be, to understand how important their role is? Mm-hmm. I think that's, I that's where we have to get it right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I don't know if you've ever met him, but, um, oh gosh, I can't think of his first name. Ross is his last name. He's with the school district. He manages the buses mm. and they, is it Vernon? No, it's not Vernon. It's, okay. um, oh, Doss is his last name, Christina Doss. And, and I was just with him. That's his <laughs> wife is Christina. And I mean, she's in rotary with me and she's wonderful, but he talks to, there's been a kind of a change in, I think, the mindset of bus drivers in the school system since he's taken over. And it is because he talks to them about how they're an important part of that child's education. And they are. Mm-hmm. If it's not a safe environment and a safe passage to the school, mm-hmm. that child's never going to learn. Mm-hmm. If they don't treat that child the right way when that child walks on that bus in the morning, that child is going to have a very different experience at school that day. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we belittle status based on level Mm -hmm. and where somebody falls on the organizational chart Mm -hmm. and sometimes the linchpins at the bottom of the chart. Mm-hmm. And we we just need to recognize that. Exactly. Well, and like you talked about entry level, somebody that might be right where they need to be in, in that point in their life. But it's also an opportunity to give them the foundation mm-hmm. that they're going to use much further on in life. Sure. Um, I had some great experiences that were my very first jobs. But if they weren't great experiences, that could have caused me to struggle later on. Sure. If I didn't learn the important things about being a good employee and a good coworker early on, then it, you know, I've known people that it's taken job after job after job and nobody's really sat them down and talked to them about those key concepts. Yeah. And how important that is. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, any job I think can be so important and so, and such a, an important part of where that person is in their stage in life. Sure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, to this day, remember my first what I would consider my first real boss. His name was Jim Booker, who passed away recently. He was Mm. an awesome human being. And um, he taught me how important it was to see people in your day-to-day life. It was retail sales. It was Zales Mm -hmm. Jewelers. Ended up moving up. He wanted me to manage. I didn't want to manage the Zales Jewelers, so (laughs) didn't stay and manage the Zales Jewelers. But he... um, Well, we're very glad now you didn't. I'm telling you. Yeah. I like what I do now. (laughs) Absolutely. I loved what I did there, but Mm -hmm. um, he taught me about how important it is to have fun every day. Mm. And you only do that when you can get your work done in a way that you feel fulfilled. Wow. I mean, even vacuum. He had instructions on vacuuming the carpet at that Zales Jewelers <laughs> that I use when I vacuum my home today. Oh, that's hysterical. <laughs> so it is. It's true what you said, though. People can change your trajectory based mm-hmm. on how much they value you and how much they share with you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I wish we'd all value and share a little more with each other. Exactly. We don't. I've got a degree in finance. I didn't take any classes that taught me how to get be a good employee. Yeah. I mean, we don't. Nobody goes through that. I know there's job training now, but that's I think that still isn't giving us those key those really key lessons that you have to learn. Yeah. 
that we have to teach each other. Mm-hmm. There's um, chain reaction is that's fundamental to what they're trying to do for kids nowadays. Absolutely. Yeah. I love their mission. I do too. I Mm -hmm. think Kristen and her enthusiasm, if I could bottle it. Yes. Take a nip every now and then (laughs) I'd be really, really good. But she, um, at the heart of everything, she's growing leaders. Mm -hmm. It's not about, um, it's not, it's, it's having academic impact for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's only doing that because it's making kids understand who they are mm-hmm. and what's important to them, their purpose, mm-hmm. helping them find the purpose, and then helping them find how important integrity is to that purpose. Yeah. Which is being that best employee, that best human being, mm-hmm. having the right fit and valuing where you are, wherever it is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When people are happy, I mean, it's a, it's, it makes, and it sounds cliche, but it does make life easier. Mm-hmm. It really does. It's hard to struggle. It's hard to, you know, be down on your luck and to be frustrated and to be upset. I mean, they even say it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. Huh. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, um, I don't know why we fight that so much, I though. Don't know. Being joyful is very, very important. Mm-hmm. It's hard sometimes when you, when you don't stop. Mm-hmm. You have to have quiet time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to be quiet in your life to be able to be joyful, I think. Mm-hmm. Wherever that quiet time is, mm-hmm. you have to stop long enough to think about what's important to you. Yeah, absolutely. I do a gratitude journal. Do you journal? I don't. I used to. Of course, I, I take that back. My journaling is often what I think people would call mentorship or um, or my personal growth. There, I'm mm-hmm. constantly writing. Oh, constantly wonderful. writing. My mm-hmm. mother was a published writer, so I, writing, and I used to be an English teacher. So, oh. journaling is very important. I need to get back to actually just journaling mm-hmm. because I am doing it through my work right now, mm-hmm. and it's not the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, mine can be sometimes it can be a lot if I've got a lot to unload and if mm-hmm. I have a lot of time, mm-hmm. but sometimes it can be a one sentence. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's but I think it's and it goes back to me being that tactile tactile person that I have to put things, I have to physically get a pen out and write on paper. It's right. it's part of that 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 helps me through that process. And if I don't do that often enough, I will notice that it will create more anxiety and it'll create more um just um not uncertainty, but just um anxiety is the right yeah. word for it. I in think my that's life. the same thing as um innovation. Mm -hmm. So when I said I do it through my work, I am, I'm very privileged to be at United Way uh, in so many ways. And I will tell you, there are people who who know me, who know how much of a struggle this has been for me because I loved my work at Ronald House. Mm -hmm. But one of the reasons that it has been so tough on a, when I first came to United Way is it's constantly challenging me to innovate Mm -hmm. every day I have to innovate Mm -hmm. and and I have to seriously innovate on a weekly basis so I am putting my my thoughts that are work but they're also my personal growth Mm -hmm. that it's constantly in front of me and and there are staff at United Way will say I wish we would not have changed for just a little while. Right. Because we have been in constant change mm-hmm. since I've been there. And mm-hmm. I've had to learn that that's not bad. Right. 
that is okay. Mm -hmm. And that is actually very healthy Mm -hmm. in today's work world, Mm -hmm. that that is the speed of business requires that you are constantly considering what you can do differently and better, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or you will be irrelevant. Yep. Yep. And um, so my journaling is really innovation um, tactics on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So I'm the, all the inspiration maybe because it is nonprofit work and community work mm-hmm. and it's about improving lives for people. What I would do in the past for journaling to inspire myself, I'm getting every day at the, I'm constantly challenged. That's awesome. Constantly. <clears throat> so it, it can be exhausting at times, mm-hmm. but, oh yeah, but it is, yeah. um, it is a privilege. Well, and I've found safety in constantly changing. Um, because to me, if I don't like something, well, then I know it's going to change. change. It's hey. going to change. <laughs> and it's also enabled me to, um, to implement things much quicker. I, I'm a very, um, very, like I talked about it before, I'm a detective and I like to research and I like to look at all the different options before I make a choice. Shopping is horrible for me. If I have to buy something, I had to buy a video camera um, recently and, and it was exhausting because I probably looked at 30 different choices to come down to. In reality, I ended up buying the, the one they had at the store. Um, but I do that. But I've had to, by embracing more change, it's enabled me to make decisions quicker. Yes. Yes. Because I know, hey, if I get that one video camera and it's not right, I can take it back, Yeah, you know, and get a different one. I yeah. mean, it's not, you don't want to go into things so nonchalant, but sometimes I think we hurt ourselves by spending too much time to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there's certainly not time for that in mm-hmm. in my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And not that I'm not thoughtful about right. the work and right. not that I don't, like you said, of course, Shannon Nickinson would say we are both wandering into the nerd forest way too often. But <laughs> I, I like the nerd that. forest, so it's okay <laughs> um, because I am going to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I, I do lots of due diligence. Mm-hmm. I do lots of research before, mm-hmm. but I am constantly in the mindset of what does this need to look like tomorrow? Is mm-hmm. it the same as what it mm-hmm. is today? Mm-hmm. What does it need to look like in a year? What does it need to look like in three years? What does it need to look like in five years? Mm-hmm. And um, that's, it is refreshing to some degree. It's exhausting and refreshing at the right. same time. Right, right. And I'm starting to find where I get, I get pleasure from, um, from getting to that end point. Yeah. You know, it's almost like I get stuck. I used to get stuck so much in the middle and, and there's no benefit for that. Mm-hmm. There's no, you don't see any tangible change, whether it's good or bad. You see, you don't see anything. So you, it ends up, you get, I would get lost in that middle part. So if I can get to that end part, well then boom, I can see real quickly what the reaction was right. and right. then be able to pivot if it wasn't exactly what I wanted or, Hey, let me keep going more in that direction if it was actually providing you know, more towards what we were trying to do. Yeah. And I think it gives you the ability to accept failure and Mm -hmm. use failure Mm -hmm. much, um, much more successfully. Mm -hmm. I can remember we instituted um, on online application system, which most of us will call apricot a dirty word at this point, because (laughs) the software has not been as quick to respond as we would have liked it to be at times. Mm -hmm. But I have, come to a place where it is okay if something in that system is wrong 
because mm-hmm. you, if you've done enough of that and you change things enough, you realize that failing is okay because you can correct it. Right. And you can learn from where it failed mm-hmm. to make it better the next round. Exactly. We are in, the, we just redid the entire application after three years of using a system that we were constantly tweaking on to incorporate all of those changes. So every once in a while, it's working. It was working well in what we had before, but it needed to be a, even better. So mm-hmm. you take it to the next stage. So to get that piece done, mm-hmm. boy, it's like you said, you go, wow, okay, I feel mm-hmm. good. This is going to work so much better. You right. Know? right. And there may be, there may be ups and downs and there will be. Sure. But um, I'm much more accepting of when something doesn't work, knowing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can go back and fix it. Right. And you, you have, can make it even better. If at your heart of it, it's all about helping, making something more effective, more successful. Absolutely. You can quickly turn stuff around. Absolutely. And it gives you that that energy mm-hmm. to do it again, to do it more. You know, what we do is so tough. And I can only imagine with, you know, your job, the enormity of, of your job, how tough it is. So to have shorter victories, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, or, or even shorter results, whether they're good or bad, you know, just just quicker, mm-hmm. it probably fuels you to keep, you know, keep pushing. It does. I have mm-hmm. a um, fabulous new database uh, manager that God love Kathy right now. <laughs> um, and she was just sending me, she had revamped some, some of our quarterly reports to pull data. Mm-hmm. And so she was so proud this morning because she said, I think this is really going to work. And so she's been on staff now, I think three months and she's, she's catching that excitement when yeah. you're able to see results for the community mm-hmm. just because everybody's working together and plugging it into a system. And so mm-hmm. you can pull a report yeah. that shows what's happened is it's really kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. Really kind of cool. Very cool. Well, we're at, at the end of the time. As a matter of fact, we've gone a little over time. Oh. I, th- I hope you're okay with that. Um, the, the last thing I was going to ask before we wrap it up was about leadership advice and some of the leadership advice that you've received. So what in your mind has been the best leadership advice that you've received over the years? Are you okay on time? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to go shortly. But, okay, perfect. Um, best leadership advice is go into every situation looking for what you can learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can never be kind enough. Oh, I love that. Would you be surprised the, the guest from our last show that was hers was about we need to be more kind to each other? I totally can mm-hmm. see it. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. You get so much further. Yeah. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Well, this has been wonderful. If you're listening, you we've been listening to Andrea Krieger. She is the president and the CEO of United Way, a tremendous organization that embraces collaboration and also re- uh, embraces um, replication of what's working well in the system and helping to, to benefit the community much more. So donor dollars come in, they replicate those donor dollars in a legal way and, <laughs> um, and get them back in the community so that they can be much more helpful. You have shared a tremendous amount of information with, with us today, Andrea. Well, I cannot thank you. thank you enough. This has been amazing. Well, it's been a great opportunity. <laughs> Always. I really appreciate it. You are a wealth of knowledge and, and I know that you've made such an impact in the community yeah. and, and what you've done with, um, not only Ronald McDonald House, but also with United Way. 
the community um, should be applauding you as well. Oh, so thank you. thank you very much for what you do. Thank you. It's a privilege. Well, Truly. good. If you've been listening, this has been Women in Leadership by Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast that is sponsored by Pensacola Business Radio X. And hopefully you'll tune in with us in two weeks when we have another set of um, amazing guests um, as well. And we will um, hear from you guys later. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.